0: hey y'all have you ever heard of old gods of appalachia well if you haven't you have now let me tell you this is a horror anthology podcast and it is absolutely amazing they have characters they have actors they have different people doing voiceovers it is so ridiculously dope y'all gotta check this out um I'm I'm like I'm enthralled. I I can't stop listening to it. This shit is crazy. And I got to tell you all the actors are They're straight. They're queer. They're black. They're of color. They're male. They're female. They're they-them's they-them's They They just This thing is so diverse man. And and it's there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire So this is a big deal Y'all got to check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey y'all, this black fluid poet, AKA John S. Blake, coming to you from my humble abode of books during this pandemic paradise where the quarantine is just no longer cute. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do when I can't say that anymore. (laughs) Am I the only one who has tried to uh, calculate how much money I've spent in masks? Like, when the mask mandate is no longer uh, in place, I don't know if I'm going to stop wearing them because I'm like, I got to get my money's worth. (laughs) I have spent far too much money in masks. I got masks to match certain outfits. (laughs) Man, this is awful. So it is 10 a.m. Albuquerque, New Mexico time. And uh, I'm having my morning coffee and cigarette as usual. I'm up especially early today. I went to bed especially early last night because I'm getting old. Is it just me? I'm I'm getting old, man. I, I... I used to be afraid to go to sleep at night because I was afraid I was missing something and I've truly gotten to this point in this era of my life where I'm like, I don't give a damn what's going on. I'm going to bed. (laughs) There's something that I wanted to share with y'all and that's that I have this uncomfortable happiness going on with me. Uncomfortable in that the American dream is just no longer uh, persuasive for me. I am happy because I am in my own apartment and I'm paying my bills and I'm single and not dating anyone and I can do most of the things I feel like doing. Those things with the exception that expense expensive them would be too much traveling I'd love to see Africa things of that nature but for the most part my life is exactly what I've always wanted it to be I've always had a dream of sitting at my desk someday with my ashtray to the left and my coffee to the right and just enjoying writing and that is where I am Right now. That's what I've always wanted. And I'm here. And so I have reached a goal. I have attained um, a position in life that I've always wanted. And I feel awkward not wanting more. Although I will admit, at work the other night, uh, I was working at this restaurant, waiting tables. and there was a couple in a booth, and they were sitting on opposite sides, and then uh, the woman gets up to sit on the other side with her partner. And the partner like pulled he pulled her so close that you know they leaned all the way into the deepest like nook in the in the booth. And she just leaned up against him and he held her and they read the menu together. And y'all, I got to tell you, with all the atrocities going on in the world, with all of the uh, violence and financial woe, just to see this couple reading a menu together, it made me miss that type of intimacy, I was like, God, I just wanted to be both of them. Either one. Big spoon or little spoon in the booth. I wanted to be both of them simultaneously. I wanted to feel and express that kind of love. Not giving a damn who was around us, you know. And it made me feel so warm. It made me feel grateful to be a part of the human existence. And those those moments are, I have to tell you, those moments are few and far in between. I'm a person that tends to focus on the things that aren't right, that haven't the problems that haven't been solved. And I will tell you, in that very moment, every problem, any problem that you could have raised to discuss at that moment was solved watching this couple love on each other and and in that moment every quote you know every cliched phrase every slogan about how love solves everything at that moment they were absolutely correct even though i know love solves everything the the, the one problem i have is how how do we how do we bridge all of these gaps how do we how do we get together to love each other how do we forget what what wrongs have happened you know you don't and some people aren't going to love each other and that's something that even as a child you know i can i tell you i remember um whenever i went to my grandmother's house there was usually some kind of family get-together And my mom was a single mom, but my father would show up because it was his mother, my, my father's mother. And we'd go to the house and whenever my father showed up, I would grab my mother by the hand. I would walk her up to my father and I would put my mother's hand in my father's hand. Because I've asked my mother a million times, do you love dad? And she said, yeah. And, you know, there were times when I was alone with my father and I asked him if he loved my mother. He said, yeah, I love her. So, I could not understand for the life of me as a child. You know, in my head, although I would never have said it out loud, but in my head I was like, well then why aren't you motherfuckers together? I mean, shit, I need both my parents. Every TV show I watch, the parents are together. Y'all are fucking up the program. (laughs) So, love, yes, and you know, I've been grumpy trying to go to work at this restaurant. And I think the, the grumpiness is coming from a couple of different areas. One is that I'm 50 years old. I will be 51 next month. And that is to say that my body is 50 years old. My ankles, my hips, my back. these These ligaments, these tendons, these muscles are all 50 years on the earth functioning. And although I am grateful for having an able body, it's not as able as it used to be. So things hurt. Uh, My day started yesterday morning with, you know, taking some anti-inflammatories before work. And my day ended with me coming home and taking (laughs) those anti-inflammatories before I got in the bed. And that's, that's what my... That's what, that's what my body is trying to tell me, that it's time to sit my ass down and just write books. And on that, I would like to make a request um, that if you are hearing my podcast, that you consider going to anchor.fm and going to my page, anchor.fm slash Poet and sponsoring me for as little as 99 cents a month or as much as you want to give. Because y'all, my body can't wait tables anymore. It hurts, it really hurts. And I'm only working three, maybe sometimes four nights a week. And every shift, man, halfway through the shift, things start going. My lower back starts telling me like, hey, is there a moment when we can sit down and uh, I have to ignore it and continue working. And then somewhere later on, my left knee starts to click. And says, "Um, you know, I'm kind of in this with your lower back and we're starting to feel a certain way. And my mindset is capitalism, you know, but my bones are on some socialist shit, you know, like workers' rights, dog, like we need a break. And my brain is like, nah, we got to make this money. But my bones are like, look, we ain't playing with you no more. And then both my ankles start burning. And by the end of my shift, man, by the end of my shift, I honestly, the only thing that keeps me from crying by the end of my shift is my pride because this shit hurts. I've been waiting tables for 30 years, 30 years. I can't believe, like I look in the mirror and I don't believe I'm as old as my birth certificate says that I am because 30 years, man three decades I have been serving plates of food to people making customers laugh um, you know helping them feed their kids you know uh, trying to keep babies quiet celebrating anniversaries and birthdays for 30 years I've worked every Easter I've worked Valentine's Day I've worked New Year's Eve for 30 years and My bones, my muscles, my ligaments have had it. And there is no retirement plan for most servers. But I've been grumpy also because I have watched this circus, this shit show, if you will, of our government reluctantly helping us out of this hole that our government has put us in. I've watched these people debate and read a 400 page bill out loud to stall and cry and complain and debate whether or not people are worth $15 an hour and a $1,400 check to help them get by. When I personally have only worked seven or eight weeks in a year, I have been in Albuquerque, New Mexico, for a year, and there are two things that have saddened me about this. One is being so behind in a lot of my financial situations. My upfront bills are getting paid, my utilities, my rent, things of that nature. But you know, I still gotta, I gotta pay off my active addiction. You know, um, getting sober and getting clean doesn't mean that the, that the slate gets sober and clean. You know, and I got some stuff that I got to clean off the slate. I got credit card bills and, you know, old debt. Um, I know Verizon's going to be coming for me for their money. And, you know, I've gotten the first notice. I've gotten the second notice. I've, and now I'm at the wait till we see your ass on the block notice. It's on site notice. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Uh, and And watching this government. Just drag their feet, knowing that, you know, we have a centrist president who's never going to pass a universal health care program. <clears throat> and I've seen even Democrats refuse to vote for this bill to get me this money to help me out. And, you know, before this epidemic, 55,000 people in the United States were dying every year because they simply couldn't afford to see a doctor. Let that sit for a second. An entire football stadium of people die every year because they can't afford to see a doctor. Now, that's people. Now, I, I often, you know, I'd like to think that it's, you know, elderly people. And somewhere in my ageist mind that's almost acceptable because that's the country I've grown up in but the truth is that some of those people are children the truth is that none of these people are guilty of a crime you know what I mean it's just existing and they, they don't they didn't make enough money during their existence to take care of themselves once they've gotten ill and they've lost everything. You know, I, I some of my co-workers even, I've seen them work with a fractured ankle. I've seen them work with sprained knees. I've seen them work with back braces on. I've seen them work eight, sometimes nine months pregnant, not because they just had a strong work ethic and wanted to be at work, but because they couldn't afford not to go to work. I have watched single mothers pull double shifts and been scared to ask them who's watching their kids because I remember my mother leaving me home so she could go to work when I was six, seven, eight years old because she didn't have a choice. And y'all, I've been cranky. Like about two hours before my shift, I start getting angry because, damn it, I don't want to pay my taxes. I don't want to work and give any money to a government that has dragged its ass to help me out in my time of need, that had no problems passing the exact same amount for a corporate bailout, and have so much reluctance for a societal bailout, they passed a $1.9 trillion tax cut for the wealthy. And now they have a problem with passing a $1.9 trillion bailout for people who can't pay their rent, for people who couldn't go to work, for people who did go to work but aren't making enough money. God forbid we pay a living wage. God forbid. You know, it used to be that a CEO made 30 times what an employee makes. Okay, okay. All right, that's almost livable with, you know, you understand, you know, moving up in the higher echelon, you make more money, even though I don't agree with how much money, but you know, that's neither here nor there. But we are now at a divide where a CEO makes over 300 times what a worker makes. And to watch the news, to listen to the news, and to bear witness to politicians making a six-figure salary telling me that the people who for the last year we've called essential workers. Now all of a sudden, now that you know this pandemic is starting to simmer down and people are starting to get vaccinated and more businesses are beginning to open, now they are no longer essential. Now they're back to get your ass to work. What happened? It's almost as if it was a foxhole prayer, you know, that we needed the people who were picking the vegetables and fruits and we needed people who were, you know, managing the grocery store and we needed the people who were slicing the meat in the deli department and we needed the people who were driving the buses and dropping off the mail and risking their lives every day, some of which had sick relatives at home with COVID, some of which had children in the hospital with COVID, some of which got COVID while trying to keep the United States running. And when it came down, when it came time for politicians To say, hey, remember those people that we called essential? How about we pay them as if they were actually essential? All the truck drivers. All the stock clerks. From the person who, you know, made your morning coffee to uh, the person, you know, taking your change at a toll booth. All of these people... How about we pay them for all that they do? Nah, fuck it. They I. Right. You know, it, it's almost as if the, it was a foxhole prayer. You know, as as a recovering addict, as a recovering alcoholic, I can tell you we all had those, people who have lived my life have had those foxhole moments of, God, just just get me out of this one, I swear. um, I'll go to church. I'll go to the mosque, you know um i'll I'll start respecting the sabbath and then as soon as we start to feel better or as soon as we make bail or as soon as the court you know dismisses the charges or just gives us probation all of a sudden we forgot god man come on with that that's what i feel like i feel like you know politicians who are like hey Keep this country running. I want to thank the people who are still showing up for work every day. You are the true Americans. And then as soon as everybody started feeling a little better, you know, they got these teachers, man. They got these teachers working twice as hard. They're teaching Zoom classes for parents who refuse to let their kids go to school to keep them safe from COVID. And they're also teaching in some schools. Like, how are you going to open the schools, homie? I mean, like, for real? It's crazy. It's just crazy how divided we are between human life and profit. It's crazy. You know, and as many people as would like to say that, oh, you know, human lives are more important than human profit. Well, I mean... I know that some people are too poor to not work. I know a lot of people, matter of fact, who are too poor to miss work. But it seems like the only way this government is gonna learn its lesson is if everybody stops going to work. Just stops. It would be the the largest boycott in, in American history. Now, mind you, what they're not showing us are all the workers in India, all the farm workers in India, when they tried to create a free market system when, which is now makes sense why Trump was going to India so often, right? So they're trying to create this free market system and a lot of poor farmers are gonna lose out. So the farmers are boycotting in India There's over 300 million farmers who are refusing to work. Let me give you that number again. 300 million. Nearly the population of the entire United States are refusing to go to work and are boycotting this approach, this free market approach to farming. And they don't want us to see it. You know, Amazon employees who are boycotting. It's not making the news. We need to get these unions back up. We need to start caring about each other's well-being. You know, if nothing else came out of quarantine, there's been this opportunity for self-reflection. And there's also been an opportunity for you and I to sit down and reflect on the country in which we live. And oftentimes, police brutality is an issue. And oftentimes, it's, you know, queer rights has been an issue. But basic human decency is always on the table for discussion. And that boggles me. Basic human decency. And I think what brings that up for me is... uh I don't know if you saw the interview, but I watched the interview with uh, Prince Harry and, I mean, Duke Harry and Duchess Meghan Markle and with Oprah Winfrey. And listening to Meghan discuss her life in a palace and talking about how she was on the brink of suicide, surrounded by wealth. There's a lot of people who say, man, fuck them. You know, this is a billionaire interviewing a couple of millionaires about their hard times in the castle. Fuck them. But you know what I got out of it? I got out of it that old adage about money can't buy love, money can't buy happiness. But the truth is, the money doesn't matter. I mean, at a certain point, you have too much money. It's it's, it's a, it's a... it's a non-starter. Yes, they have enough money to where they don't have to work. Fine. And yes, they could buy the best perfumes. They could take the, the best vacations. But the truth is, human decency was lacking. And when human decency is lacking, income is moot. Because the money wasn't keeping Meghan Markle alive. Media was destroying her. Rumors were destroying her. But what was really, really hurting her at her core was that this new family that she had become a part of abandoned her. While though in in physical presence in front of her, they had socially, emotionally, and spiritually abandoned her. And when people who worked for the palace told Um, the duke and duchess that their child would not receive a title and in not receiving a title would not receive protection that was a blow man that was a blow and the reasons behind it were because their child might be too dark Dignity. Absolute human decency was nowhere to be found. And that's the reality. We have gotten to a point during this quarantine to where we realize that there have been people overwhelmingly depressed and can't see a therapist. Overwhelmingly depressed and can't get their medication. Overwhelmingly anxious and with no solution in sight, suffering from alcoholism, drug addiction, gambling, infidelities in their marriages and relationships. And it's because our country is truly lacking in dignity and human decency the way that people should care about one another. And, you know, I mean, the hot-button issues of race and gender and sexuality, and the media really does know how to, you know, use a stick to poke the embers in the fire to get the flame going again. But somewhere, somewhere in the near future we are going to have to decide that human decency and dignity is more important than whoever's in office is more important than red or blue. And we... I I, I don't have an answer, y'all. Because even though all of these things are easy to say, they're much harder to do. But we have truly forgotten about human decency and dignity in America. And, you know, some people may suggest that, you know, the United States has never had it. And that's a valid point. It's a valid position to have. Because, you know, in looking around at history, you know, even though white people may have had it, I can tell you right now, the indigenous have never had it. And I mean never, I mean up until this day, right now in March of 2021, the indigenous people since the 1400s have yet to see dignity and human decency coming from most of us. Respect for their culture, respect for the land, respect for their spiritual beliefs. I mean, how? They We've turned them into cartoons and Halloween costumes. Black people have not gotten a fair shake in this country. They just haven't. And, you know, the only argument that people can ever make that racism is over is how much money black people have successfully made in the United States. And when I say black people, I mean movie stars, athletes... And the like. But as I've said before, in the case of Meghan Markle, there isn't enough money to heal the human spirit. It it doesn't work that way. It's never worked that way. So many of us are dying inside, and there isn't enough money in the world to resurrect the dying soul. So I think we need to work harder at keeping keeping each other alive, at maintaining our spirits. You know when you walk into the seven eleven or you know the Alon or wherever you go to get your morning coffee or buy your cigarettes or you know pick up a snack or get your gas, don't forget to say hi to the clerk. If you see somebody on the subway, on a bus, in traffic, and they look like they're struggling, ask them if they're okay and mean it. Talk to that coworker who you know is going through a lot. Offer to babysit a coworker's kids so they can get out of the house for a little bit. Talk to that neighbor who you know might lose their house. And no, you may not be able to help them financially, but damn it, just a moment of human decency and dignity could, you know, maybe you don't save their house, but you could save their soul. You could help them feel like somebody knows they're alive. Someone acknowledges their existence. Maybe you can tell them you are not your bills. You are not your financial problems. You were never meant to do all of this alone. It's wrong. And I think that that, that would help so many people right now, is to remind them, no matter how much that American dream is blowing smoke up our asses, nobody is supposed to do this alone. Nobody is supposed to handle all of this pressure by themselves. And if nobody's told you today, I care about you, just know that I care about you. You have a good day. Hey y'all, your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you Love this podcast. I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However, the way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers so you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents 499 or 999 please feel free to pick 99 cents I, I, I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off you know what I'm saying so please just consider it if I could get a thousand subscribers I could get out of this poverty thing you know what I'm saying because yo. The struggle is real Y'all take care